I've spent a lot of my time in life trying to make a bad day into a good day. But, you know, I think uh, you realize as you get older that uh, the universe just loves its equilibrium. So bad days are just going to be bad days, dude. I think uh, it's yeah. you can't avoid that. It's part of life. I think um, the major thing is how you choose to respond to that. Hey everybody, this is Anthony for a new episode of Your Brothers Podcast. Today my guest is Mr. Tyler Horenic. Tyler is a spacecraft engineer for the Canadian Space Agency. Tyler and I, we met around uh, one or two years ago through my French business. And what struck me first was his discipline, his work ethic, the way he views the world. And I was always very grateful for the feedback he was giving me for life in general. He has a very deep perspective on many topics. So I think that's why today is going to be a great episode that you don't want to miss. So Tyler, my friend, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me on, Anthony. Yeah, it's been a, it's been a little while here. Uh, I think we've known each other. Yeah, I think January 21, me? January 2021 or something like that. We started taking Three, French yeah. classes together and we a year and a half. soon yeah. realized that we were having really good conversations yeah. that were not just about French. Like it helped me learn French, but shared the similar perspectives on a lot of things. And so I'm really happy to see you doing this now. I think it's going to help a lot of people based on the conversations we've had. So yeah, I'm excited to uh, get going today. Thanks for having me on yeah. the show. My pleasure, my friend. So, you know, first of all, I always like to speak about people's childhood. And I think why you, it's interesting. You're my first guy who is more in the scientific and like engineering side of things. So it would be nice to know, did you have this love of space and machines already when you were a kid or it came like later in life? I think that um, what I had initially was I was always curious about things and kind of had an exploratory nature to myself. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I always, you know, kind of was wondering, oh, kind of what's out there. I always liked uh, at a young age, I was very lucky. My parents took me traveling. So I always liked seeing new places, exploring new uh, cultures and learning about new peoples and everything like that. And, and, you know, just not on that side, but on the personal side too, I liked, you know, trying new sports, new activities, hanging out with new friends. So it's always like a, and uh, I think that goes a lot back to, you know, your personal identity can kind of influence the path you pick in life that I, I feel like it made sense that, uh, um, yeah, eventually once I understood the concept of space and space exploration a little bit later in life, uh, I became very interested in that. And so I'd always be watching YouTube videos and everything like that because it was just such a wonder. It's like, oh, the whole world doesn't know anything about what's out there. Like, it's yeah. kind of super interesting. Um but then when I was young, uh, so my dad was a millwright in the oil and gas industry and kind of didn't, I don't think he didn't finish high school, but he got out of, uh, he graduated. Yeah, I guess finished grade 11, went straight into oil and gas and then worked really hard his whole life uh, and provided a good life for us. And then, but he told me when I was like seven years old, he's just like, okay, Tyler, you're going to be an engineer because I see all the engineers around me. They have really good lives. They get paid good and everything. Mm. So he's very much like you know, like hardworking. He's just like, you need to be able to, uh, you know, get a good education and provide you yeah. and your family a good life sort of thing. So I was like, okay, dad, that makes sense. So that was kind of my baseline. And then it was later on when I, I figured out that, oh, engineers work in the space industry and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, I grew growing up in Alberta, uh, province in Western Canada, it's very oil and gas centric. So most of the yeah. engineers in school there will go into the energy sector. Um, so that was my thought going into engineering uh take my first year of mechanical engineering but then i discovered kind of this love for space and slowly you know over a roller coaster of ups and downs i kind of came out of uh my bachelor's degree there and found a job in the space industry and i was able to pursue that uh full time so i got very uh very lucky was very fortunate with that but it just kind of evolved over time from this i would say very exploratory nature when i was young and then i found a concrete career path as i got older with some with some help from my parents for sure mm. so it's interesting because usually when people speak about their parents and like if they if they told us oh you will do this or you will do that usually it's a negative perspective but for you it was oh well i can consider this option and actually it became true so i think that's interesting that you are actually more in tune with your father and you could say okay i'm gonna try it and if i don't like it maybe we can do something else but actually it was almost the perfect fit from the beginning just because he induced like he put the inception in your in your younger brain that this is a good path and maybe you were seeing him like oh he's going he's working well and he's having a good uh good success with that so mm -hmm. are you still very close to your parents when you have like some wisdom to receive or some advice mentorship or what is your relationship with them right now 
Absolutely. I mean, it, it's incredibly strong. Uh, my parents have always been extremely good to me, supported me in everything that I wanted to do, um, made sure that, uh, you know, I never wanted for anything. If, if, you know, I was focused on university and getting my schooling done and they knew that, you know, getting my bachelor's degree in engineering was incredibly hard. It was difficult to do. So I, so, you know, they, they made sure that, uh, you know, I had a roof over my head. I didn't have to work an extra job. I could spend all my time studying. So, uh, without their support, it's hard to say, like, I probably wouldn't kind of be at where I am today. So I'm always appreciative for that. And they've continued supporting me the entire the entire time. And so I continue to talk to them, uh, you know, on a weekly basis and everything. And I stay very close to them and, and get all the updates in their life as well. And uh, I think that, you know, there's as you kind of evolve in life and you kind of your story diverges from what your parents was, you have to seek maybe some different or complementary advice for what you're doing. So it's like, you know, my, my parents still give me some of the best advice I received to this day still, cause they know me, they know me better than anybody. Right. But, yeah. um, it's hard for them to give me advice about, you know, where I should work in the space industry or, you know, it's the technical challenge I'm facing at work and stuff like mm -hmm. that. So then you seek out uh, other people that have had experience with that and background and that and everything like that. Um, but then my parents are still, I still rely on them very much for that uh, meta advice. So it's not, so, you know, if, if I, there's been a couple of times that I've struggled at work and everything. And I've told them, I've just been like, you know, like, this is just really hard. Like I'm having a difficult time handling the situation and everything like that. And they can't help me with particularly the, the technical side of it, that spacecraft engineering side, because they don't have that, that, yeah. that education background. Right. But you know, they'll tell me they're just like, okay, hey, well, you know, I remember this is what you need to kind of relax and de-stress. I've watched you your whole life. Like, you know, I kind of know how your brain <laughs> operates and that stuff makes me feel better than anything. They're just like, listen, just chill for a night, forget about it and do this, watch your favorite show, make this food that I know you like and mm. you're good to go. And so sometimes that advice that you get from them is still the best in the world, no matter how far you advance in a different direction uh, than they did. So there's a time and a place for everything. I don't think it's the only advice and only wisdom that I need, uh, but it's still critically important to the foundation of who I am. So I would say that to answer your question, no, my relationship is still very close uh, with them. And I think as I understand, I get older and I understand the challenges of adulthood more. I think it'll only get closer and closer because I can yeah. empathize and sympathize uh, with them a lot more in that in that respect as well. You touch a very uh, interesting point here when you said, like, if things are not going well one day and I would like to cover this topic a couple of minutes because I think everybody has bad days. And yesterday for me was a very challenging day. And I really I was forcing myself to see the positive in the day. And it was very difficult. And you know what? At the end of the day, exactly around like 10, 30 p.m., I spoke with a friend mm -hmm. and I could just find the comedy in the tragedy. So find what was funny in my catastrophic situation and like it was overly stressful for me as the main character of the story but actually when you step back and you look from a higher point of view it's not as bad on the realm of like lifetime yeah so maybe you can tell me when you have bad days when you feel like man this is gonna be a rough one do you have any tips to to share with the audience like how do you bounce back how do you keep this good attitude or you just i feel like crap and i'm gonna just go through it and it will be like this for today and that's fine tomorrow is a new day yeah i i think you hit the nail on the head there there's been i've spent a lot of my time in life trying to make a, a bad get a bad day into a good day but you know i think uh you realize as you get older that uh the universe just loves its equilibrium so bad days are just gonna be bad days dude i think uh it's <laughs> yeah. you can't avoid that it's part of life i think um the major thing is how you choose to respond to that so um, for example, if I get up, I wake up in the morning and uh, I'm not feeling well, I'm not feeling energetic, I'm just, uh, all this stuff I got to do today. Um, I don't really want to, you know, get on with the day. Uh, so, yeah, maybe if you go do the day, it's going to be a bad day. But what matters is like, OK, well, you know, do I make the decision to lie back down in bed for another two hours and just not deal with any of the problems that are coming that day? Mm -hmm. Or do I keep on going and sort of thing? So you got to have that forward action and. Uh, it really comes back to a lot of, of like the a, a personal philosophy that I share with the school of stoicism is that like, you know, you have to just take that forward action and not worry about the circumstances. Really, you can't control the outside circumstances. You can only uh, control how you react to it. So if you have that forward action, you go through your day and you do the hard things um, 
then slowly, you know, over time, that consistency will reveal itself in the results sort of thing. And, and I think you touched on a really good point about just kind of like stepping back and looking at the situation. I feel like a lot of times when we get frustrated and we're having a bad day, it's because we're so zoomed in on the tiny mm, details incredible. of that day, you can yeah. get hyper focused on what's, uh, what's wrong. And just if you have any people from a technical background, uh, listener, just any perfectionists in general, I think, but it, it's a lot, I see it a lot just in my profession with engineers is that if you're designing something or constructing something and, and you have to get every single detail, right, people can become perfectionists. And so this can spill over into other areas of their life. And so if everything's not perfect, it's easy to get kind of frustrated about that sort of thing. Um, but I think, yeah, something that I've been really good at and uh, that I've gotten good at through a lot of practice and mindfulness practice is zooming out. Cause I think that's very important is not dialing in on those details. And so, yes, I'll get frustrated, but then if I like take a couple of breaths and think about it and zoom out, uh, I always feel a lot better when you look at your life timeline as a whole, um, and realize that it's just a bad day. It's a drop in the ocean. And I think a personal thing that I always work with is, uh, I feel like, you know, I've worked really hard, but very fortunate with my current circumstances. Uh, so, you know, I always feel like my personal analogy, I, said, I feel like I went to the casino and I'm playing with the house's money because I won more money than I should have <laughs> sort of in the, in the sense of where I'm at in life. I'm just kind of like, you know, I kind of appreciate, I'm just like, I should have never really got, I feel like a job at the Canadian space agency. I know that I got one now because I'm like hardworking and I have a proper skill set and everything like that. But considering some of the grades I got in university and some of the challenges I've had and everything, um, if I have like a bad day at work. Uh, I could dial in on that and get really frustrated or I could zoom back and say, boom, like this is just all like uh, bonus right now because you because mm. I feel like I should be still back in Alberta working in some like, you know, engineering job that I'm kind of, uh, uh, you know, not too keen on or anything. So then when you step back, you can really appreciate the spot that you're at and just know that it's just like a little dip on the on the overall trajectory kind of. Um, so when I have a bad day, I try to do that. So I try to zoom out. I try to appreciate it. Sometimes that doesn't work. If it doesn't work, it's just a bad day. You have to go through those. Um, but that's the real challenge in life. And that's going to be the difference maker from a lot of people for I feel like where you go in life and the level you get to is when you're having a really bad day and things aren't going right. Can you still sit down and put in the work or do you give up on yourself and quit and say, I'm going to wait for a better day? Because over the length of time, you're going to have so many bad days that the person that sits down and does it anyway, despite the circumstances, is going to be miles ahead of you because all those little things add up over time. So that's how I try to think about it. Don't get me wrong. I haven't always been like that. I've had a lot of days where I've quit and given up on myself. And then you <laughs> yeah. just realize after a while that the bad feeling doesn't go away and you're not like getting anything out of it. So you realize that you just have to constantly control your own actions despite what's uh, what's going on around you. So it's, it's yeah, it's a difficult situation. But yeah, when you have bad days, you just got to think of more of that meta zoomed out view, mm. I feel like. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Um, man, I'm, I'm thinking like how... People must think right now, this guy, he is very wise and he's so young. Like, how did you learn all of that? It was just through trials and errors, through reading books, through sport. I think we can speak about sports a bit for your mental uh, toughness, because not every guy who's, you're 25. Yeah, I think 20. 27. Just turned 27. 27, yeah. 27 yeah. sorry. 27. So like, this is considered young to be able to speak about such thing. And I guess I was also in the same category. Now I'm 30, but throughout my 20s, I had such comments like, hmm, you have a wise soul. Where is that coming from? I I thank my parents for that. I had a very good upbringing. So what about you? Was it all also like sports, books, uh, webinars, something like to our education on top of normal school, which was already very challenging to be uh, studying engineering? So tell us more about that. I mean, first of all, I would say I'm, I'm still, I'm 27. So maybe I say some uh, kind of maybe wise things sometimes, but I still have my young genes in me. I was just at Oshiaga yeah. last weekend and I wasn't very wise there, that's but it's still a fun time, you know, okay, 27, man. That's whatever. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't I need to be say, boring. You yeah, exactly. Still have fun and uh, be a good human. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. Monday, everything's back on the rails and you know, you're, you're on with your normal life. But I, I would say that uh, to your point, um, I think that uh, people gain perspective uh, for the amount of difficult uh or challenging situations they put themselves in. So you can find somebody and, you know, I get surprised. And th th this is with everybody. I get surprised by people that are younger than me all the time with the things they have to save and, and perspectives and the just talking way beyond uh, their years. And then I also meet people that are far older than me that I feel like are, you know, quite younger in spirit and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And, and 
you know, maybe don't have as much of an evolved perspective as you would expect at that age. Um, and I think um, a lot of it has to do is it's not really about your age. It's about the experiences that you've gone through uh, up until that point. So if you can stack experiences, that's all going to give you uh, perspective. So I think kind of like you touched on, I think uh, when I was younger, I played competitive sports. I played uh, competitive hockey. And I feel like the foundation for a lot of the way I think about um team dynamics and, you know, hard work resulting in reward and things like that come from that foundation. Uh, so I, I mean, yeah, playing that definitely, uh, set me up for a current framework for my mind going into yeah. a school and career and everything like that. Um, and there was certainly, you know, as you know, with, with sports, there's a lot of challenging scenarios and that you have to deal with, and it gets really analogous to what you experience in daily life in the business world. And so there's constantly still, I'm still surprised you know, days I'll come into work and this will happen and that'll happen. I'll be like, oh, this is just like when I used to play hockey. Like, give you know, us an example if you have a story like that. Yeah, like um, potentially, uh, you know, if um, so like in, in hockey, if, if you know, uh, you come out and you're playing against a, a good team and then, you know, they get two goals against you and you're in the second period and your team's down and everybody's body language is like sulking and everything and uh, you realize that one of the biggest things I've realized that translate to the professional world is that your attitude and your behavior is contagious to everybody around you. So, um, and I was fortunate enough to be like put into leadership positions as, in, on these teams every now and then. So then, then the responsibility falls on you to, okay, you know, you can see this, this contagious attitude going around your team. And so maybe if you're, you've lost, you've gotten a couple goals scored on you. Um, you need to be that, that igniter to kind of change the attitude in the room. And so kind of start getting everybody hyped up and say, Hey, like, and, and it's a lot of what we kind of talked about earlier, kind of like switching perspectives. So it's just like, you can switch your team's perspective. You can say, okay, we're down two goals, but you know, look at how, like we were four checking good. We got a lot of chances. They just have a hot goalie. It's going to come our way. We just need to keep on working hard. And then, and then, you know, you can go and talk to individual people too, and be like, listen, like you're playing a really good game, or I know you can make this play over here that you were trying to do. And then all of a sudden your team comes out on the next shift or the next period and they're playing better and you can get a couple goals and end up winning that game. Um, in the working world, if we're say designing a satellite, uh, and we go into a critical design review for the satellite with our customer that we're building it for, and we come out of that and we've had a bunch of uh, critical comments logged in our our like register where, you know, you do you you present your design and then the client or whatever will give you a bunch of feedback and everything. Um, there's been times where we get so much feedback uh, where they feel like our, our design is not at the same level of maturity that we come back and have the next meeting internally as a team. And people are really feeling like you know, down that body language is kind of sulking and everything like that. And then uh, you can think of it just like a team sport, because that's what it is. You're working in a team dynamic there and you have a, a goal that you want to achieve and something to work towards. And, you know, it's a challenge that you're presented with. And so you look at the body language of everybody and you say, listen, this isn't that big of a deal. We just have to change a few things here and there. And uh, I know we can do it. And, um, you know, we can, we can figure this out as a team sort of thing. Right. So you can take you, there's a lot of transferable skills in life that you can take from one domain and transfer to another domain. So, I mean, I feel like when I got, uh, into, into the professional working world, like, yes, it was very new to me, but in some things I had already had a lot of experience, like that team dynamic thing. I just had to learn everything else that went around it. Um, and I think that you have to constantly kind of like like ruminate on these in your head and kind of draw them out and kind of say oh it's just like that i'm i'm not new to this i do have experience in this and then it can give you more confidence in that working world um so i mean yeah like it, it felt like um you know i had already had a lot of experience in that because of the hockey and then you know that carried over in university i was still involved in engineering teams there and so then that carried over to the professional working world so you know, maybe I've only been working um, 27 for like four years now. But if you mm -hmm. see me interacting with a team and a group of people, maybe it's like, oh, like, you know, that's more experience than four years. And it's because of that, because you can draw that experience forward from previous experiences uh, in your life. And I think that that's valuable to recognize as a person and kind of have that self-awareness. Like, what am I good at from before and how can I mm -hmm. implement that into what I'm doing uh, right now and use that to my advantage, sort of, right? Do you think that doing that, you can become... Like anybody can become a natural leader by using this technique. Like because the way you speak now, I realize you can gain leadership from a very early age. Even if mm -hmm. you don't have a big experience at work, you can 
take command, take control of the situation. And what you said about the attitude, this is such a big factor. And uh, my mentor, Grant Cardone, he's speaking about this a lot in, through the, the program right now that I'm following. Attitude is everything. If you try to sell something and you don't have the right attitude, then nothing will be sold ever. Like you cannot sell mm -hmm. anything with a bad attitude. If you're not in sales and you're just, as you said, in a leadership position or you're creating a satellite, which is awesome. If anybody's feeling not so good today, yeah, well, the, the creativity of everybody else can be affected. The, the, the decision making can be affected. So if you are somebody new, let's say in a career, in a job, you have hierarchy higher than you but you still want to demonstrate that. How would you do that if you're just a rookie, for example? I mean, uh, I think that, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna draw on uh, uh, Chris Hadfield's advice, a famous Canadian astronaut. He wrote a fabulous book about being, uh, going to the International Space Station. He did multiple tours to the International Space Station and he had a really good point that I think is, is also great is, you know, when you're, you're a new person, you come into a new team uh, and things are very well established. A lot of time, pe like people will try to do too much to like prove that they mm -hmm. should be there, and they end up almost make not, you know, making a little bit of a mess of stuff if they try to change things and try to show how bad they should be there, sort of thing. And the idea is try not to be a one right away, but try to be a zero. Just try not to screw anything up, sort of thing, right? So it's, <laughs> and I think this goes back to having, uh, if you're new, having a lot of humbleness. So if you come into a new team, uh, it, just be ready to not like tell everybody about the experience you have and this is the way we should be doing it because i learned this in the past and it's gonna be so awesome we need to do things a different way what you want to do is get in there and learn as much from everybody as you can and kind of appreciate that knowledge that people have had baked into them from being in that organization and learning those things and and so that's like step one people will really appreciate that if somebody comes in and listens people automatically like that and then so if you've listened enough then you can start to influence things and have a positive action forward after that because you have that base knowledge of the organization. And I, I think that, you know, if you're someone new, um, just plain old like hard work, it, it, you know, it's, I know it might sound cliche, but it, it's cliche because it's true over and over and over yeah. again in any situation you're in. If you go in there and you just work hard, you t take feedback well, um, then people will respect your opinion more and more because they can see you putting in the legwork. And then when you do have something to say and you do have an attitude that you want to be con contagious and propagate out to the whole team, people will be more inclined to listen to you because you put in that that respect of kind of learning about the organization ra rather than trying to do that more so on day one. Um, and so, yeah, if you have your, it depends on where you are in the organization tree, but if you're somewhere in, say you're in a leadership position and you, uh, you know, have, have, you know, your mindset is totally contagious and it trickles down. Mm -hmm. That's what I've seen over and over again. So whatever mindset your CEO have, you can see that permeate into the entire company all the way down to the bottom level. It's just the way it works. Oh, that's just how human structures organizes. Whatever the CEO does, then that becomes the attitude of the VPs, then the executives, then the managers and the middle managers, and then the yeah. employees after that. And so it's very hard to change the attitude of an entire company from the ground up. It's certainly possible. Uh, it's a lot of hard work, but I think what's important is to be very cognizant if you're in a leadership role, that everybody below you is emulating kind of the attitude that you're putting forward. Um, and I think it's good if you're below that person in the hierarchy to recognize what that person's doing and pass it through a critical filter in your head and say, is this the right way that I actually should be, uh, you know, uh, emulating myself in this company, in this organization? Uh, and if it's not, then maybe, you know, you kind of, uh, you take on a more positive attitude and things like mm -hmm. that, and it'll get picked up by the people around you. And then that can transfer up as well. It's a little bit harder than transferring down that hierarchy, but it's imagine. certainly possible and people will, will respect you for it if you do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's important here also is to notice the communication skills, because for you as a, so if you work in space, I can imagine that being able to communicate in a effective, efficient way. Is it like shorter messages if you if you organize you're playing with a satellite how many kilometers ahead of us yeah. and how do you have effective communication that is uh, that can be related to real life outside work? I think that um, you know the number one thing is that everybody's working towards the same critical goal and it's kind mm -hmm. of so like 
the risk of not doing something right is like incredibly high. Like these are like you know, <laughs> billion dollar missions. So if you, what's not going to be tolerated, you, you're totally allowed to like get things wrong. Um, what's not tolerated is lazily kind of getting things wrong and getting frustrated and maybe like communicating poorly with somebody else for no good reason sort of thing. Right. Cause it's just like, then that's more of a selfish, selfish action. And then you're introducing more risk into the operations that you're doing uh, with a, with a spacecraft that's, you know, incredibly expensive and, and very valuable. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like when we try to, it depends on the context, if we're in an operational scenario and we're controlling the satellite at that moment, then the, the communication is more like essential. Like, you know, it's just like, okay, this is what we need to do. If you, if we're, we're not going to stand around and just speculate, we're going to really just talk about the actions that need to be take taken in that instant. But if we're planning maybe an operation for the next few days, then we'll have like a brainstorming session. Uh, and then the communication is a lot more like, you know, um, uh, speculative and kind of every single scenario that could come to pass and things like that. Um, but yeah, you'll notice in just every situation I've been in, in the space industry is that people that don't stick around on teams for long or people that, you know, have to really argue with everybody and always get their way. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you have to, I, I would say the overarching theme here is that you just have to strip your ego away. You can't have an ego about it. It's always like you, you have to be thinking about what's best for the team, what's best for the operations of the spacecraft. And everybody's on the same page with that. Um, and, and if you're not, if you're more self-interested and not good at communicating, uh, then that gets sought out pretty quickly and you don't really fit in on that team and it gets it's pretty good at getting rooted out so almost all of the teams that i've been on in the space industry that are operation because i've been on operational teams and then teams that are more like design teams but operational teams have a lot of risk because you're controlling the satellite or the spacecraft yeah. right then and there um extremely good communicators i know that the, there's a lot of stereotypes about engineers not being good communicators but uh and maybe that's a little bit more true on the whole but if you're going to make it into an operational scenario with that much risk um, there's incredibly good communicators. And I think that that's something that the teams that I've been on have, they function incredibly well in that regard. Very nice. I can imagine having the chance, the opportunity to be with them every day. And I know, uh, you work recently on the Canadian arm, if I, if I'm correct. Uh, yep. The arm, yep. second on the arm two. Yeah. If I yep. remember okay. well, mm -hmm. um, it can be connected with that or something else, but what is maybe one of the biggest challenge, like this situation was, oh my God, what we're, we're going to do about this. And you still, you could figure out something to, to save the mission or to make a big, uh, a big change. I think people would like to listen to such story, like, <laughs> like a interstellar movie, like, oh man, you just have to figure <laughs> something, <laughs> maybe not as extreme as that, but you in your position with your responsibilities, what is one interesting story you can share with us about man, this is a hot situation what we have to do, what we're going to do. And you could find a solution anyway. Ah, that's a good question. That's good. You know what, uh, when you get to that level kind of, and people are at the level where they're operating the, the Canada arm too, they, uh, train and do so many simulations that almost nothing ever really goes too bad on orbit mm -hmm. because they, they spend like, you know, it's got to be like at least more than half their time, like in simulations. So they'll go in simulations. And one of the quotes that they have is, it's just kind of like, oh yeah, like the simulation is not done until like you're under your desk crying sort of thing, because they've made it that <laughs> difficult because what they do. And, and this is actually really good to uh, go back to the previous point about good communication and focusing on what's important is they set up these simulations that are just impossible to kind of succeed in and see how you as a person handle that kind of most dire moment when you're in just you cannot win do you get frustrated and kind of give up and walk away or do you just like stay there till the very end and try to find a solution and you have constant good like what they'll do is you you know you'll be doing an operation with the canada arm and then they'll say okay and then this side of the international space station is on fire um actually that that fire has just started over there so now you have to figure out what you're going to do with the canada arm and um oh yeah astronauts are on the outside of the space station so um, you either have to decide to stop the arm or try to get them back to safety somehow or something like that. So they do these crazy simulations that are just unwinnable. And, you know, it's not so much a test of your, your technical ability. It is in some sense, but the much more important thing is, is more of a test of who you are, um, 
as a person, right? When you get in that scenario, are you the type of person that says, ah, this is so unfair. I can't believe they put me in this unfair situation. I can't do this. This is impossible. I give up. I walk away. Or do you say this just, this is what it is. I got to figure it out sort of thing. And so they train people like that. And then if people don't make it through that uh, process, then they'll never really get on console and have a chance to mm -hmm. operate the thing for real, right? Um, so you end up having this very, very good cohesive team that has incredibly good chemistry and can count on one another all the time. And that goes all the way through not just the Canada Armed Flight Operations team, but NASA and JSC and every 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 individual that they have down there is really good in this sense. I was that's something that blew me away is the time that I spent with that team is just how good everybody was in in a team environment. And you know, there wasn't ever really a situation where there was massive risk, but you know, you could just kind of listening to the ops that were happening, you could see that oh, some issue would come up. And, uh, and you could tell as people did the analysis and figured out what it was, it was, a, oh, this is because maybe so-and-so didn't do this, uh, to, you know, yesterday they didn't kind of do their due diligence on this one part. Yeah. And now we've got a problem today. What they don't do is go and like, ah, blame that person. It's just like, no, mm -hmm. it is what it is. We're just going to fix it now. Um, and they just kind of focus on the end result. Um, so, I mean, that, that's kind of what it is in that team and they just do. Yeah. Cool. And you know, you gotta, you gotta keep in mind there, this is when they're doing ops with like, you know, astronauts are on the end of the arm and they're like swinging around an astronaut yeah. on the end of a 20 meter, uh, you know, billion dollar Canada arm on a space station, 400 kilometers in, up there, like going around the earth, like multiple, multiple times a day. So it's crazy the ops that they're doing. So to have that frame of mind to kind of keep cool in that situation is uh, something that you can be, you can be trained to do for sure. You mm -hmm. got to have a bit of a personality for it, but kind of trained to do so i mean it's just an impressive team overall anybody that gets a chance to go and do a tour or learn more about that team i highly highly encourage it because so many lessons that you can carry over into your own professional life uh ab absolutely without a doubt and the fact that you are you are working in the space industry do you feel like it's affecting your whole perspective on the world because we're little humans on this big floating ball this big spaceship which is the earth being in touch with such higher vision higher mission do you feel it affects how you see a little trivial things little everyday problem or not so much i think it um it, once you get you learn more about the space industry and i think maybe people that that aren't in the space industry kind of think that oh it's just kind of humans destiny to propagate out into the solar system and colonize the universe and everything like that. And it's just going to happen. And Elon Musk and SpaceX are just going to go to Mars and set everything up. And it's going to be fine and dandy in like 20 years. Uh, and once you get in the space industry and you realize the challenges that we have with all of those ideas, like, yes, we're working towards it. And I'm sure we'll get there eventually. But, you know, it's 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 goddamn hard, like what people mm -hmm. are trying to do, like even <laughs> not even just considering going to Mars, but going to the moon and setting something up there. There are so many challenges that still have to be figured out that we don't have good solutions for. So we're by no means even close to kind of getting to that point. Um, and so my perspective, you know, over time has become that, you know, as humans right now, we're essentially we're trapped here, like we're trapped here <laughs> on Earth. There's no way for us to leave. Right. And so I think. Uh, that makes me kind of appreciate what we have here more a little bit. Um, you know, we, we, this is, we, we just have this earth that we're on. We're all living here. Um, you know, we've got to take care of it and take care of each other. And if, you know, same thing, if there's a big problem, we can't just up and leave. Like that's just literally not possible right now. Yeah. So I think it's given me that perspective uh, is that to kind of take a little bit more care with what we're given here right now on this earth, because it's all we have and it's all we're going to have for a very long time. Uh, that's readily apparent for anybody that's in the in the space industry as much as as good of a goal it, as it is to work towards and we should be doing trying to get out there into the solar system uh, i think it it makes you appreciate everything here and then also we get a really good perspective on what's out there on other planets and earth is by far the most beautiful place we know of for sure like you know you go to mars but that's a big red desert you go to other solar <laughs> planets planets are covered in ice and stuff like that there's there's nowhere that we've discovered this you know just like the earth with beautiful oceans and mountains and prairies and all this wonderful nature we have here. Um, yeah, you can go colonize somewhere else, but it's not nearly as beautiful as, as earth. Yeah. So it makes you appreciate just the micro things around you too, the micro landscapes and everything like that. I think it gives me that perspective as well. That's beautiful, man. Thank you for sharing that. I think to be able to appreciate nature and the world as it is, you know, when I go for my walks uh, almost every day, 
I look at birds, I look at nature, I look at mountains, and I'm like, man, this intelligence behind all of this is so magnificent. And whether you're religious or not, or spiritual or not, according to your perspective, you can still appreciate whatever has been done and created to, to get to this point. Like Earth was mm -hmm. not like this before. It transformed into something where we can live on it before it was like we had the ice age, we had volcanic age, and it's really incredible, man. And like if you just breathe and you you're in the street and you there is oxygen in my lungs and I exhale and I can take it again and I'm not poisoned, I'm not like a CO2, yeah, uh intoxication. Mm -hmm. It's like it's absolutely amazing. And we just take everything for granted. And the second that you have a health issue or disease, then everything else is not as important as you getting back into with your health or you getting back in, yeah, become healthier again. Yeah. Um, I think, and since we had COVID, this situation, people could really relate with that. So both mm -hmm. professionally, because lost, people lost thousands of jobs and they got sick and they lost family members. And of course, this is horrible. I send all my good uh, love for these people. But you realize if you're sick, whatever you want is just you want to be healthy at that mm -hmm. moment. So even if you have uh, 10 million, 100 million or whatever, if you have a great material wealth, if you have other things going on, if you, okay, great social media, oh, you're an influencer, but you feel like garbage or you're really like shivering in your bed, then you're like, my body is very important for my mission. I, I'm here and I have this temple and I need to use it for as long as possible. And yes. so many people are just used to destroy. And I was I was like this before, and people know my story. Mm -hmm. I was a self-destructive guy a couple of years ago. So how do you take care of your of your physical temple? I know you're, you mm -hmm. like sports, you like training. What are some of your go-to activity or habits, ritual to really be on a sharp mind? Because I know you also wake up very early in the morning. So maybe you can speak about that and how sure. it came to you to be an early bird to conquer the world. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I really appreciate you bringing up that point because I totally agree with it. And a quote that's kind of always stuck in my head related to that is it says that, you know, the the healthy person wants 10,000 things, but the sick person only wants one thing, right? So you can mm. never really take your, yeah, take your health so for powerful. granted, right? Um, and uh, yeah, I think the situation in the past couple of years has made everybody realize that how important that is and how, how lucky we are to just be, you know, healthy on a regular basis. Um, I think that, and so there's that aspect. And then if there's the other uh, perspective as well is that, you know, if you're going into uh, your professional life, entrepreneurship, uh, everything else, um, I think people discount how much your physical health really plays into everything else because your physical health is so tied into the physiology and the nervous system of your body and really affects your, your mindset every single day and, you know, kind of how you present yourself to the to the entire world. So I think it's incredibly uh, important. And and when I was young, I started exercising and having good physical health for sports, I wanted to just, you know, be good in hockey. And then um, I realized, once I was kind of done with competitive hockey, it's just like, well, should I keep on? Should I keep on working out? And the answer was, yes, because I because I had gone through periods of time where I just had stopped working out. And I just realized after a while, it's just like, I feel terrible. Like I feel just awful just <laughs> all day long. And, and that's the thing for people to realize is that with the physical health, it's when it's not confined to that hour of exercise you're doing, every, you know, once a day or whatever, it propagates out and has a huge effect on the rest of your day as well. So I would say mm. I work out a lot more now for the the mental aspect. And what you want to do is I try to create these little analogies that I, that I have in the gym. Uh, and so, you know, I wake up, I go to the gym and I try to do difficult exercise. I really try to push myself to the limit um, all the time. And one of my favorite ones, my my most loved hated one is the one that I did this morning, uh, which is I go to the gym and you just flat out do 300 burpees uh, and just in a row sort of thing. And it takes me just under, I think around 25 minutes. And it's it's so humbling because every time I do it, I there's always a point where I want to throw up and quit and everything oh, like that. And how no. like no matter how much you kind of build yourself up and get this good mentality, if you can exercise really hard it'll humble you sort of thing. Um, and, but so that's, so that, you know, if I'm doing 300, that moment maybe comes around somewhere between 170 and 220 that those reps. Right. But then once I hit 220, 250, 
I can see that my goal is in sight at 300. Mm. And then sort of that, it falls away. And I was like, no, this thing that I thought that was impossible 50 reps ago, it's actually here. It's just in sight. Now, if I push a little bit more, I can get there and I can do it. And uh, it just takes a little bit more. I got to dig deep this effort that I don't think is there. I got to draw that out of myself, kind of tap into those adrenaline reserves and just do it sort of thing. Um, and then you get there and it feels, it's just such a big win. Cause all the time, I don't know why I keep on thinking that I've been doing it for like almost 10 years now, but like every time I go to do it, I'm just like, this is going to be the day that I don't make it to 300. This, this feels so <laughs> bad, but then you push yourself and you make it every time. And that can be really analogous to a lot of things that you do in your day-to-day -day life. When the situation gets really hard, it gets really challenging and you think I have nothing left. Uh, then you can dig deep and you can, you can tell yourself no, this is just like when I work out in the gym. This is just like when I do those 300 burpees. If I just give a little bit more, I'll get closer and that finish line will be in sight. And then if I push more and more and more and more, I'll get there. Um, and kind of the way I think about it is, you know, the person that if you think about not just that, but the mentality of someone, if you were to walk up to anybody and you were to say, what do you think is the longest period of time that you can hold a plank for? Like mm -hmm. a position where you're just sitting there and it works out your core and everything because it's just yeah. endurance, right? You're sitting there and your body gets tired and tired and tired. And if somebody says, um, okay, maybe maybe 90 seconds, 90 seconds. So if you think of it, and, and so a really good, you know, mental and physical exercise for somebody is do that and i guarantee you that that person they feels the they feel the weakest they've ever felt at 89 seconds so one second before they thought where their limit is but mm -hmm. if you make that person go to just 91 seconds just one second farther than they thought that they could do at their limit that's the most powerful person in the world mentally because they just shattered their ceiling right so they mm -hmm. just you know they said uh, that's all i can do and if you just increment and just go one little mm -hmm. step further then uh you know you you kind of um you shatter this belief that you had about yourself and you're just like, no, I can actually push myself a little bit further. And if you, so coming back to the gym, if you start your day every single day by doing something like that, imagine how that propagates out onto, into all the other challenges. You're just ready for the day, right? And uh, so that's why I keep on doing it. And it, it just really sets me up well for the day. Um, I realized that I wanted to get up really early and do this when I was in university and I felt really short on time. I was kind of in chaos my first year of engineering was going really bad and i'm um, just like i just need more time and classic uh just like 18 year old i was just watching motivational videos on youtube like a lot of people do and and this one guy was just like screaming at me on youtube and he's like i get up at 3 a.m every day and i was just like all right dude if 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 that's what it takes like, i'll try at 3 a.m so i was just like okay i'll just i'll try it and uh and and so I would get up at 3 a.m. and then I would work out and then I would do all my studying and homework and I'd be done like most of the things from our classes by like 7 or 8 a.m. And then I would go to all my courses during the day and then keep on working after that. Um, and kind of what it, it made me take comfort in that, uh, you know, the idea for me being that if this is literally everything I can do, this is as much effort as I can put in. Cause I can handle losing, but I can't handle losing and not giving 100% effort. Right. Mm -hmm. So this kind of became my mentality and I had a tough time in university. So it was like, there's multiple times I almost failed, could have, could have not got my degree and stuff like that. And the way I approached that situation, uh, so I could sleep peacefully at night, as I said, I'm just going to get up as early as I can grind as hard as I can. Uh, and then if that's not enough, then so be it. It wasn't meant mm -hmm. to be, but got this it. is going to yeah. get my 100% effort. And that mentality really comes from being in the gym and starting your day doing something very hard every day. Um, and then you get a lot of other benefits, right? Like it gives you a lot of confidence, like, you know, your, your physical nature ties into your mental nature and everything like that. So you get a lot of confidence. You kind of, you know, if, if you're hitting a new PR, you're lifting heavier weights every day, then it shows you that you can break those boundaries, the, those mm -hmm. personal limitations you've set upon yourself. Um, and then it just keeps you, you know, in a healthy lifestyle and going to bed early and, all these little, little tiny things have just massive propagating effects when they compound on top of each other. Um, and so that's kind of how I approach it. Now I do a lot of big strength exercises. So, you know, your big, your big, like five compound exercises, I'm doing a lot of those. I want to involve the whole body and get the whole nervous system up and running and tap into those adrenaline stores from, you know, hitting my, my max, uh, weight, but then also a lot of cardio too, because the cardio is really good for mentality when you can, can't think you can't go anymore and you push yourself to do another couple reps or extra minutes and stuff like that. And so I would say that uh, it's critically important. And it, I haven't met anybody that has made exercise a really focal point of their life and mm -hmm. then just doesn't realize all the other benefits that go along with it. Yeah. Like I know you do. And I think, so I think the proof is in the pudding. Like 
Um, if you're somebody that doesn't exercise right now, just, you know, listen to all the people that tell you exercise is important for a bunch of other reasons rather than just your physical health. Um, and, yeah. and I think you could be convinced to kind of put it into your daily routine. Yeah, absolutely, man. Big fan of physical exercise for the last maybe uh, 12 years, I think. And the most important year when I was training martial arts uh, in Quebec, I was training like six days a week, twice a day. Maybe it was too much. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, I got, I got injured because of that eventually. But I could feel so much the natural confidence of going through very, very, very difficult situations physically and mm -hmm. having just my ego absolutely destroyed at the door, mm -hmm. getting tapped out, getting choked out, getting like like knocked down or Tumbling. hard things, man. You cannot have anything left in you of like, I am superior. Mm -hmm. These people. And the, the thing is, these guys, they want to help you grow. So it's a camaraderie it's a it's friendly it's like a family vibe but it's very hard so when you have somebody like literally sitting on your like on your face like and you're you're just dying under him and he's 200 pounds or, or more like what am i doing here man yeah yeah exactly I, I would... i'm paying for that i'm paying exactly. for that every month what's wrong with me but and, and the finished thing... Yeah. The thing that you just said, though, about, um, you know, taking your ego away, the thing that I love about that and exercise is that the input and output is one to one, right? Like you can't fake that. There's no way there's a lot of things yeah. you can fake in life and get to a level being not authentic. But exercise and sports and martial arts, like you say, like, that's always one to one that the result that you get out is always the effort you put in. It's the most meritocratical thing that I've ever experienced in my life. So yeah, big props to that point that you had that. Yeah, it's not it's it's completely humbling and strips away your your ego and then you're paying for it on top of that like you said yeah and when you're finished with that when the, the training is finished the endorphins are so amazing in your brain like you said yeah. okay hey, good job man nice training i remember i was driving my car back home fully sweaty like drenching just <laughs> dripping yeah. on the side like this is amazing this is what feeling alive feels like and that's yeah. why i think why i could conquer my addiction is because I was when I was taking drugs, I was trying to feel alive. I was trying to feel something, mm -hmm. but people are so disconnected from their from their whole uh, human body. They're just they're so used to just be on the screen all the time or sitting all the time. And I know most experts will agree that sitting is one of the main killing factor in society. Yeah, and if you don't balance that with stretching, yoga, uh, posture exercise, uh, walking, or just anything you can do really to move the this machine you will be depressed, you will be anxious, you will feel stuck, you will not have as many ideas. So it's a bit repetitive with other guests. I had to speak about that too. Like you will be just a better person if you move every day, just do something. It doesn't have to be long. It can be 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour if you have time, but you will see the difference. And people who are listening to me right now and they're like, man, I don't have the time. You have to make the time. It's your time. You have the same time as me. It's so cliche, but you have the yeah. same time as us. And if you decide, okay, I'm going to start small and see how I feel, I guarantee you, you will feel better before than after. And you will be more proud of you. And uh, do that for six months, a year, two years, and then you will be sold on yourself. So exactly and that I, I that's an important point too is anytime you, you try something new like exercise or a new diet or this or that there's always a pain period that you got to pay and you just got to pay it every single time and yeah. and that first two weeks that first month might suck and every single day might be like this is not for me this works for everybody else this is not for me but i just encourage anybody that's thinking about it is just stick with it for a little bit longer until it feels good because there's going to hit a point where it feels good. And then you're going to hit a point right after that where it's like, I cannot live my life without this sort of thing. And I realize the benefits and stuff like that. But you got to like just grind out that pain period. And I, I, a lot of people, unfortunately, don't make it through that. But if you realize, have the self-awareness that that's there and you get through that, then you get to realize the benefits for, for your entire life like you just spoke about. Yeah, exactly, man. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, just so I want to come back just a bit about the sleeping because so if you were waking up or if you're still waking up at three, at what time you go to bed to feel refreshed? Uh, between seven and eight. I try to get I try to get my eight hours of sleep. So it's like, yeah, I go to I'm like a senior citizen, right? Like in a in a young eating body. dinner and good night. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So I'm I'm working with you know I get up super early, and some people might think, oh, that makes sense. Does a lot of stuff. He's got way more hours than everybody. He's like, no, I got the same hours as everybody else. I'm just putting them in a different spot, sort of thing. Yeah. And the thing I like about waking up early um, is that we all obviously have goals. 
outside of our careers and things we want to do and everything like that. Uh, and I find that if I get up and I pursue those things, as soon as I wake up in the morning, I'll be far more consistent and I'll never really miss them. So it's like, you know, my routine that has been there for years has been wake up at three exercise. Cause I believe that's, you know, the best long-term payment you can give to yourself is just making sure you're physically healthy. So it's just like, you know, it's like your bank account. Like when, when you get a paycheck and you know, there's that idea of you automatically take 15% and you put it off in savings for when yeah. you're old. If I think about my time in the day, when I get my time in the day, I automatically take that first 50%, 15% that that's hour of exercise. And that's for maintaining good health for my whole life. And when I'm old. And then after that, uh, you think, I think about, okay, what are my other long-term goals? So then I'll spend, I'll get home and I'll spend about two hours working on those. So whatever those may be at that particular time in my life, I put time into that. Um, and then at, it's more so I get on with my day and I have breakfast and I go into the office and I do my eight hours of work and then I come home at night uh, and then I'm a little bit more tired at night. So sometimes I'll hang out with people, but a lot of times what I like to do is just like, you know, uh, kind of increase, try to increase my knowledge level a little bit. So I'll read. That's the time where it's kind of like more mm -hmm. low stress, kind of read something. And then I'll go to bed after that. But I find that, you know, if I'm the type of, and lot, almost everybody is like this too. Like if I say, okay, I'm going to work all day and then get home from work. And then I'm going to work on my long-term goals at night. There's going to be way more days that I don't do that. Yeah, than do that. And I'm going to feel low energy when I do that. So, and that's the thing is you're only going to realize that outcome when you get 99% of the way there, you're going to, you know, if you do it that way, then it's going to be like, you're going to be an old man or an old woman. And you're going to say, oh, damn, I actually should have been much more consistent about this and putting this in the morning and doing it then every single day. Um, and that's a big thing about zooming out too. Like we spoke about earlier, you got to zoom out and realize where the benefits are going to come from. So anything that's a long-term benefit for me that I have to put in, you know, a lot of work in to realize it over the long term. I always do that the first part of my day before I let other people into my day. So, you know, I'm not like checking my phone. I don't check my text messages. I don't check my email as soon as I get up for probably like the first three hours that I'm awake. Yeah, that's good. Man. Somebody three hours, you're the yeah. beast. Yeah, I can answer so, three hours. Wow. It's hard. It's hard, man. But you can, you can get yourself there for sure. And you know, like you and me, we took French classes together. That was always in the morning. That was always in the morning. Yeah. That was because that it's guys, like four thirty. He was taking like class lesson. I'm like, this guy is in Montreal. I'm in Georgia. We have eight hours difference, and it's twelve thirty from four thirty for him. Yeah. Is he crazy? The yeah. only guy like just this is Tyler from day one. Just hey, good morning, good morning, my friend. You look amazing. Just always ready to go at the at the wee hours. So that's really yeah. really incredible. Thanks, bro. And that's it's a good like like case study for me because when I started learning French for the first couple of months I was trying to do it in the evenings and I found that I was missing so many days and it was only like oh, I'm only doing this two or three days a week and I'm like okay yeah. I have to get to a certain level within two years otherwise I'll lose my job so I'm just like this has to be a long-term goal point. for me <laughs> yeah exactly so it's a it's a it's a pull factor right and so then I said okay this is just going to happen in the morning now and then I was far more consistent we had lessons all the time and I kind of yeah. reached my my goal eventually. And now that, you know, I've kind of hit that, I still practice it, but there's other things that are other long-term goals that I practice in the morning now uh, too. So I think like, it's a really good framework for me. Everybody has to find their own, but if you figure out a framework where you can have consistent work towards your goals, uh, that's one of the most important things I would say for sure is just figuring yeah. out a good framework for yourself that you can put effort into something that matters to you over the long term every day. And if somebody, maybe, I don't know if you'll be able to answer that, but if you are, a parent and you will say the maybe the excuse that well i have kids in the morning or at night i need to put them to bed so you are able to go to bed at seven or eight but what if somebody cannot do that would you suggest just at least to have one hour of personal work in the morning and then figure out where you're wasting time in the evening and try to go to bed earlier uh just to have a little buffer to yep. take care of yourself absolutely i would say my thing with that and like i don't have kids so uh you know, it's tough for me to give advice on this situation. Yeah. But I, what I would say is, again, like I would I would dial in more on the morning. I think it's a lot safer bet. If you if I think about the whole, a lot more days, you're going to be able to probably get up like an hour earlier than your kids put in that work there than trying to do that an hour after your kids go to bed. Because there's going to be oh, so many days where man. like your kid wants to go yeah. on a play date no or you got to take them to sports and things go yeah. on. As, as the day goes on, just more risk gets introduced that you're not going to be able to do your schedule because people want things, you got to do other things and stuff like that. So yeah. I would say like if I was in that position and what, that's what I'm planning to do when I'm older and I have kids is uh, <laughs> I'm going to still try to do the mornings and you're more refreshed, you have more energy and everything like that. So I'd say just get up a couple hours earlier um, and do your work then uh, and 
but you know, life is fluid, right? Like I know you went through this having, having your child, uh, recently is that, you know, sometimes you don't get to pick the schedule and that's harder, but then, you know, we're talking about the ideal case and that you can get up early and work and stuff like that. Sometimes life doesn't let you do that. And then you just got to be able to grind it out. And you're a much better person to give advice on that than, than I am. Cause you know, all about that and huge respect to you for doing all the yeah. things that you do while managing that entire family life that I know was uh, kind of crazy for your schedule Thank and everything, you, all yeah, your clients yeah, was, and everything is in different yeah. time zones, dude. It's uh that's incredible, dude. So hats off to you for that one. I hope I'm, I'm not getting it in that dedicated when I, when I get to, when I have a family too, you know? <laughs> Thank you so much for the kind words, man. Yeah. Um, so look, man, we're, we're close to the end. Um, the last question I'd like to speak about, I'd like to ask my guest is if we go five years from now and it's 2027 and people will look back at your episode in 2022 and you're one of my first guests, like I had yeah, around 15, 15, 20 guests so far. What you want them to re- remember of your, of your episode, what you want them to remember of your wisdom and no matter the age, we don't care about physical age here. It's about life wisdom. So what do you stand by that you think would be useful for others? I think that um, we've talked a lot about, you know, putting in a large, a large amount of effort towards your goals and how can you structure yourself well to meet your goals and things that are beneficial for you. Um, but I would say that to do all of that uh, and to be able to kind of sustain that over a long period of time, you have to have an internal motivation to do it for a reason sort of thing. Right. So, um, you know, you, you got to develop, I think it's very important to develop a personal why. And then if you have a personal why mm-hmm. for like a mission that you're on that you want to do, then you can withstand almost any how sort of thing. And that's where that oh, effort like comes it. from. Right. So it's just like, mm-hmm. uh, if, you know, uh, you got to have a really, really strong pull factor. And the way that I believe that you get a personal why is, um, you have to search for feedback from the universe. And the only way that you get that feedback is by throwing yourself into situations you've never been in before. And when I say feedback, I'm talking about bad feedback is just as valuable as good feedback. They're, they're one-to-one bad feedback tells you something about yourself. Good feedback tells you something about yourself. And if you go out on this, uh, you go out and explore. And I mean, just like kind of, you know, yes, physically go to other places, but also try things you've never tried before. Sign up for classes that you don't know if you would like join groups that you don't know if it's for you and try different hobbies and this and that um, and increase the surface area of luck of which, you know, you can discover what your personal why is. And once you get it and you'll know what it is when it comes to you, um, then you'll know kind of where you want to go in life. And, and I think having that kind of guiding star, that kind of North star about where you want to go, it yeah. makes everything else way easier. Cause if, if I don't have a motivation or a pull factor, then I'm not going to convince anybody to get up at 3am and work out. I'm not going to convince anybody to, you know, put in that time and that effort and, and kind of focus on kind of where you're going and deal with bad days and everything like that. It's got to be for something. So I would say that, you know, you have to develop a personal why and the main thing that you can do to develop that is to get outside of your comfort zone. So I would just encourage every single person to get outside of your comfort zone, try something new. And when you find something that, you know, fits really well in your life and you want to pursue it more, then use everything else that we've talked about in this episode as kind of tools to kind of get you there. And that's kind of my, my, you know, final piece of advice that I would give to everybody in that sense. Tell them you're the man. You're amazing. Thank you so much for this great advice, for this wisdom today. If people want to connect with you, I know you're not an influencer by any means. You're more in a different sphere. So it's going to be a big push of marketing. Hey, follow me on Instagram, Facebook. <laughs> so just be yourself. How can we connect with you if we want to say thank you or if we want to come, maybe have a, some collaboration, maybe a podcast for them? I know you have also your podcast uh, yep. or anything else, any project that people will think, oh, I would like to have Tyler in my team for that. So how they can reach out? Absolutely. So you can uh, you can probably find me on LinkedIn pretty easily. It's uh, Tyler uh, Herenic. Just you can find me there, um, or also you know you can reach out on Instagram or any other social media platform that you prefer. Uh, and then uh, yeah, my email as well. Anthony does it. You can share that as well in the show notes. Um, cool. And I'd be I'd be really open door. Anybody can contact me for any reason. I'm always happy to chat and uh, explore what other new opportunities might be out there. So uh, I hope you guys in, it kind of enjoyed this conversation today. Anthony, thank you very much for having me on the show, man. My I pleasure, really man. appreciate pleasure, it uh, to kind of share uh, all this stuff, all these conversations that we've had in a nutshell over time. Yeah, and it was a really pleasant experience. So thank you. Thank you so much, man. It's it's true. We had a very good uh, journey together, and I think it's only the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. It was a pleasure to to spend this time with you and finally record something because so many times we had lessons together. And like, 
this is valuable. Why we don't record that? <laughs> like so many times, it's like yeah. it's a crime to just keep it for ourselves. So this maybe this will be the first episode, and we can have other in the future, yeah. uh, for sure. So, guys, this is Anthony Rivet, your host for Your Brother's Podcast. You can follow me personally on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Your Brother's Podcast on YouTube. Also, Apple Podcast, Spotify. It will be everywhere. So thank you so much. If you want to support me financially, you can click the Patreon link below. We appreciate donations to make the channel grow. Please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. On this note, I wish you a beautiful day and see you on the next episode. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you. Bye-bye.